0: Wednesday, April the 13th, and this is your Morning Briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden's genocide accusation and Putin's peace talk scuppering. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden described Russia's actions in Ukraine as a quote, genocide for the first time saying that it has, quote, become clearer and clearer that Putin is just trying to wipe out even the idea of being Ukrainian. Though his comments do not carry any legal weight, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, praised Mr Biden, saying that, quote, calling things by their names is essential to stand up to evil. Vladimir Putin said that peace talks had hit a cul-de-sac and that Russia's assault would continue suggesting that a frontal attack on eastern Ukraine is now inevitable. Russia's president said that dialogue was impossible while Ukraine accuses Kremlin forces of war crimes against civilians in Bucha. Atrocities, the economist has verified, took place. Ukraine said it arrested Viktor Medvedchuk, a pro-Russian politician who leads the opposition platform For Life Party. Mr Medvedchuk is said to be close with Mr Putin, He claims the Russian president is godfather to his daughter. In March, Ukraine suspended his political party. Last year, authorities opened a treason case against Mr Medvedchuk. Police fined Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, for attending several parties during the COVID-19 lockdown. Mr Johnson had told the House of Commons he had not broken the lockdown laws his government had implemented. Lying to Parliament is usually a sacking offence. The Leader of the Opposition demanded he resign. But early indications are that the Prime Minister's Conservative MPs will accept his contrition instead. At least 16 people have been injured at a Brooklyn subway station during Tuesday's rush hour, New York City's Fire Department said. Ten were shot and five of them are in critical but stable condition. A manhunt is underway after the masked gunman fled the station in Sunset Park. Inflation in America climbed to 8.5% for March, reaching its highest level since late 1981. Americans are facing a double-digit increase in energy prices after President Joe Biden banned fuel imports from Russia. India's retail prices also grew to 6.95% year-on-year. The figure, propped up by rising global food prices, was outside the central bank's target range for the third month running. The stock of Shionogi & Co, a Japanese drug maker, fell by around 16%, the most in more than a decade, after it was announced that its experimental antiviral COVID-19 drug harmed foetuses in animal trials. Similar treatments from competitors, such as the Gevrio from Merck & Co., and Paxlovid from Pfizer, also raised risks for birth defects and were still approved for use. And fact of the day, 144, the number of identical cuboids making up Tokyo's 1970s futurist Nakakin Capsule Tower. And now, here's today's agenda. Grim Days in the Donbass After nearly seven weeks of fighting, the war in Ukraine is about to turn uglier still. Russia has given up on capturing Kyiv, the capital, and is concentrating the fury of its battered units in an arc around the eastern Donbass region, under a new overall commander, General Alexander Devonikov. The next phase will be reminiscent of the Second World War, said Ukraine's Foreign Minister, Dmitry Kuleba. Quote, a knife fight, predicted an American official. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, is pleading with anyone who will listen, including the South Korean parliament, to send as many weapons as soon as possible. The onslaught could start within days, his government reckons. But the guns are hardly silent. Russian forces are inching forward and may be about to take the port city of Mariupol. The defending forces there say they are running out of food and ammunition. Claims that Russia has used chemical weapons are unproven. One way or another though, expect many more horrors ahead. Wall Street's banks report results. Three months ago, results from Wall Street banks kicked off a major stock market sell-off. After compensation costs at Goldman Sachs spiked, their share price shed almost 10% in a single day. Spooked investors realised price pressures were not transitory and that the Fed would have to raise rates sharply to control them. Share prices slumped. Investors are unlikely to be so frightened by this week's latest round of bank earnings. J.P. Morgan Chase reports on Wednesday, followed by Citi, Goldman, Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo on Thursday. Granted, the uncertainty around war in Ukraine has dimmed some types of corporate activity, such as mergers, but volatility in stock and bond markets tend to encourage more trading. The next quarter on Wall Street is likely to be a mixed bag. One thing is clear, this set of bank results won't trigger fears of prolonged inflation, because such concerns are already widespread. Data published on Tuesday showed that America's consumer price index rose by 8.5% in the year to March. Petrobras's new president. On Wednesday, shareholders of Petrobras, Brazil's state-controlled oil company, are expected to approve a new chief executive chosen by the government. José Mauro an industrialist chemist, is the president's choice. Jair Bolsonaro fired Yaakim Silva e Luna, a former general who had been in the post only since April 2021, in March. The president first hoped to replace him with Adriano Pires, an economist, who refused the invitation. The company needed quote, someone more professional, Mr Bolsonaro complained last week. The war in Ukraine has pushed up energy prices around the world. But in Brazil, petrol costs had already risen by 47% in 2021. General inflation is running at over 11% a year. Three quarters of Brazilians blame the president for this, according to a poll conducted last month. He trails former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva in opinion polls for the presidential election during October. Mr. Bolsonaro's appetite for a shake-up at Petrobras may be about more than professionalism. Sri Lanka's economic woes worsen. Sri Lanka's government announced on Tuesday that it will default on all foreign currency-denominated debt, around $35 billion worth at the end of 2021. The country's foreign reserves have plunged by 70% in less than two years and stand at just $2.3 billion. On April 18th, Ali Sabri, the finance minister, will start emergency talks with the IMF. The finance ministry blames war in Ukraine and COVID-19 for the default. But there are other factors. Tax cuts in 2019 have cost the government dearly. A currency peg at an overvalued rate has encouraged Sri Lankans to send remittances through unofficial channels, costing the public purse. Gotabaya Rajapaksa, the increasingly unpopular president, wants to stay in power with the backing of a national unity government. In a televised speech, his brother, Mehenda Rajapaksa, the Prime Minister, admitted that talks with opposition parties and defectors have failed but he made it clear that the pair will not quit. More turmoil lies ahead. A soggy celebration of Thai New Year. Songkran is usually a joyful affair in Thailand. People drench friends using water pistols, plaster white powder across their faces and feast on seafood to celebrate the new year. Buddhists a big majority of Thais, believe the ritual soaking purifies the soul and invites prosperity. Others join in as well. The three-day festivities begin on Wednesday, but not all Thais are counting their blessings. Songkran has been cancelled two years running. This year's celebrations will be, in one sense at least, watered down again. Following a surge of Covid-19 last month, The government has banned phone parties, alcohol at public gatherings, and the water fights that are usually the main event, though traditional water sprinkling is allowed. Masks, albeit soggy ones, must be worn. Some would rather the revelry be cancelled altogether. Younger people complain on social media that the festival's spirit has been washed away. Songkran is notorious for road accidents. COVID 19 has only added to the risks. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday Which actress, known for her performances in period dramas, is the great-granddaughter of British Prime Minister Herbert Asquith? Tuesday Who was Prime Minister of Canada for most of the period between 1968 and 1984? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Sir Robert Alexander Watson-Watt, who was born on this day in 1892. Give me the third best technology. The second best won't be ready in time. The best will never be ready. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence